Even the people you envisioned as solitary geniuses had collaborators. There's just too much power in the power of collaboration. Hello, I'm Steve Scher. Welcome to this final installment of In Residence Conversations from Town Hall. This one comes a little late in the cycle. I finished my residency a couple of months ago, but I wanted to put this interview up, share it with you, because of the ideas involved in working with other people, something that I came to appreciate even more so during my town hall residency. Joshua Wolf Shank has written about it in Powers of Two, Finding the Essence of Innovation and Creative Pairs. It's quite a surprising look at the people we thought were working alone. They had other people helping them, even sometimes working against them, pushing back on their ideas, but in the end, a collaboration existed. Also talking with us is Jess Van Nostrand, who's founder of The Project Room, and that's an organization that brings people together across disciplines to talk about their work and to collaborate. The origin story of the book is that my editor and I had gone back and forth about a number of topics that I pitched, and he, he you know, patiently and wisely, you know, took apart for me and explained why they wouldn't work, and he said, look, you, you suggested a number of topics. Why don't you think about a question that you would be happy spending years of your life thinking about trying to answer and I was like of course this is just what I would have told a student I, I, I had lost sight of that essential insight and several months later I had a disastrous encounter um, in which I was in a very high stake situation and I just felt totally dead inside and unable to not just unable to articulate thoughts but unable to really think and I, I was uh, really, really frustrated by it, to put it mildly, and also fascinated by it. Uh, and as I, I was, I was, I was fuming, and uh, it occurred to me that I often, often enough to, to to experience it, I have the perfect opposite of that, where I am so much smarter and so much more at ease and so much more fluid and and and, and funny in some people's presence, and that they're, they're equally mysterious. And, um, you know, the, the first experience is just a big fat bummer. But the second one was like, that's a, that's a question for a book. And I immediately thought of my editor and I immediately thought, well, I know just how I would do it in a way that would work for the two of us. And that would be to look at these eminent lives like Lennon McCartney and which is the method that we used in the Lincoln book to take a big question in that case, what is this thing we call depression and how could the nastiest, gnarliest, you know, quality of mind coincide with, in the case of Lincoln, you know, this godlike figure in the culture who, um, as a leader, as a writer, um, you know, as an intellectual, you know, essentially created this modern democracy. How could those two things be entwined and, and to use Lincoln's life as a kind of text? So I had the thought of, Lennon McCartney and Watson and Crick being a text for this question of what is chemistry. And it went on from there as over time began to see that it wasn't just these pairs that I knew about. It was also so many kinds of partnership that um, I had never really considered. You know, just does that, does that idea of um, wooliness, does that, <laughs> you know, and with different people, does that resonate for you? Um, definitely, since we started running the Project Room programming in 2011, I've crossed paths with a lot of different um, innovative, creative people. And our first 
theme for the first two years of the organization was the question, why do we make things? And the responses were so varied, but there was a lot of talk about this sort of instinctual response you get when you're with a particular type of mind or a particular type of person. And even some people who work alone, there's ideas coming from everywhere and there's stimulation coming from all kinds of places. And so I think there's a, a lot of um, relatability to the work that Josh is writing about because it's not just about an artistic person finding a connection. It's about any person finding a connection and taking them to this like heightened place, whether or not it makes them a better thinker or a better maker, but maybe it makes them just like better functioning in all kinds of ways. And ultimately, I think most people are looking for connections and most people want to be a part of something. It makes me wonder what we've had so many conversations. I've had so many conversations about this book and you and I have already had a number of conversations about how relationships can augment and enhance and facilitate creativity. But listening to you talk makes me think about the opposite, that maybe creativity is is a way for us to have relationships, a way Hmm. for us to come out of our our shells and into into connection one way or the other. I I wanted to... um, Ashley, add something that I didn't ask you before, but I've been wanting to, so this is my chance. In the book, um, you talk or you discuss the highly sensitive type of person, which we've talked about a little bit. But then it made me think, based on what you just said, that does that mean that people sort of have their own personal filter that they're walking around in the world with? And if they're highly creative or highly sensitive, does that filter function in a different way? Are they kind of seeking out opportunities, maybe even unconsciously, opportunities where they'll be in situations that will take them to these places they want to be. It is interesting. I mean, I, I, I describe myself in the book as one of the most isolated people I know. And uh, people who know me casually are puzzled by that because they see me as, you know, extremely social, extremely energetic, constantly putting myself in the, in, you know, in the mix of things. I, relatively new to Los Angeles and I own a really fine home and I have a lot of parties there and host a lot of events and so forth. And so people have this idea of me as, you know, um, really in the mall, but it's to me, these kind of two extremes of this feeling of being very bumbling and awkward and then responding to that. And certainly the creative impulse is, you know, is it's a way of like, of, of refining and, 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 you know, working hard in my, often in my interior way to try to, you know, sculpt something that will be a kind of channel to another person. And, you know, sometimes it's a matter of, um, you know, kind of direct exchange. And sometimes it's more abstract, like when you're, you know, write an essay and have a feeling of, you know, reaching out to an audience or on stage and, you know, and, and feel that kind of connection. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm, I'm getting to your question, but I do, I think that there's this, the highly sensitive person is often a, a type who, you know, has, um, who struggles to connect in ordinary ways, but I think that may only drive the desire up. It may ratchet it up to, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to reach out to people through art, which is, I think, the ultimate 
you know, expressive medium. Both I say that both as a occasional, you know, giver of meaningful things and a constant receiver. I mean, that is that's the way that I know, you know, other loving presences are are there for me. So the the reason I was curious about you guys talking together was that so you teach and you you teach in groups, right? You're working with groups. And so I'm trying to see how you think that the teaching into large groups um, resonates or echoes the efforts of duels, duo collaborators. Yeah. yeah. Well, definitely, you know, my, my book is all, all about, you know, mostly about you know, particular pairs, Lennon and McCartney, Watson and Crick, uh, you know, Charlie... Munger and Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs and Jonathan Ive, on and on and on. But the larger point is to think about creativity as a, as a dialogical exchange. And I do think you can then take that and look at, for instance, the relationship between a performer and, and, a, and an audience and, the, and the, the kind of flow back and forth and the way that there are sort of two entities there. Is that what, is yeah, that what yeah. you're driving at? Well... For example, I, I teach interviewing, and I'm doing these interviews, and I do interviews for many years. And after a while, it came to clear to me that the best interviews are still interviews. I'm, just, I'm leading a conversation, but they're best when they're dialogic, as you said. They're yeah. best when people feel that they're leading you part of the time, and you have to seed that, right? It goes yes. back and forth when you're doing those conversations. And so I was wondering how you, you ask a big question, you for a time at the project room, and then you want people to um, engage in it individually, in group, and as duos. And are those all the same? Is that all the same energy? Well, I, you know, I like to think that I'm, um, I'm not teaching exactly, but I'm guiding the boat down the river, and that um, my job is to really allow people to shine who I've invited to come and share their work. And so I hope to create a platform with the most engaging, you know, unique and original types of experiences for people. So, for example, um, we usually we don't do like panel discussions. I just feel like that's well-covered territory. But I do try to create um, sometimes a surprising encounter or something where um, the audience will be really energized by what happened, or maybe they'll just leave saying, I, I learned one interesting thing that I didn't know before tonight. Give me an example, surprising or energizing well i really like to um challenge people's assumptions about different art forms um so our programming um gets away from being medium specific so um one example would be um, a collaborative event we have coming up between artists and technologists and we've actually got them doing a mock speed dating event and they'll be put into pairs and they'll be given um questions like the questions that the three of us are talking about now um, and they'll literally have these really short lightning fast conversations with a whole series of different people who are from a very different field mm -hmm. and the idea is to foster um, introductions across fields where perhaps there's some boundaries there real mm -hmm. or imagined between people who actually have quite a lot in common and are themselves very innovative very resourceful and very forward-thinking but um, to most outsiders, they don't mingle that much. So to I think it's a little bit surprising, as an example, to create these situations um, that have a lot of um, 
playfulness in them, but are also really intellectually stimulating and serious at the same time, and just ask people to step outside of what they already know about art making and creativity. I love that. Yeah, me too. But it's a dyad again. It's a two, right? And and does that resonate back to the, what these couples uh, were doing? Well, I'm now thinking about a lot of my work now is trying to translate the work of my book, which is essayistic and you know scholarly, you know, trying to understand something you know as a phenomenon and organize it and name it. And I'm now trying to teach it to people who are practicing at all levels. Some people who don't feel that creative at all. Some people who feel exceptionally creative but still want more. And this idea of speed dating is is funny because, you know, the pairs that I'm looking at are people who found each other. And it's, I do identify patterns, what happens over and over again, but it's still kind of amazing that Paul McCartney and John Lennon grew up in the same town. And, you know, Paul stumbled onto a field where John's band was playing. And that Larry and Sergey met at graduate school, and C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien happened to you know be teaching at Cambridge. Um, it, it doesn't feel like something you can engineer, but I l- love the idea of putting people in situations where they can have multiple encounters with people and notice what it feels like. And this is something that Jess and I are going to do tonight in this workshop: is ask people to pay attention to. You know, my experience is there's kind of an internal. Uh, gauge almost like a you know a gauge you'd see in the dashboard of your car that you know goes to empty in these kind of disastrous experiences I was talking about before and also goes all the other way to like way beyond full um, just super excited and fluid and 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 an absorbed connection with people and everywhere in between and I'm really trying in my life to you know, pay attention in a non-judgmental way to 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 what it's like um and i'm really learning a lot but i love the idea of, of putting people in a situation where they can do that and and learn from it and and yeah maybe they find some person they want to go on a second date with or maybe they just come away from it you know with with a little bit more knowledge of their internal experience and how to register other people and and then how to play with it mm-hmm. so i had a funny experience this morning where i was in contact with a guy who was interviewing me just in the most magnificent way, asking the deepest questions. He clearly had taken the book in fully. And I found myself, I got a little intimidated or somehow, I don't know what happened, but I just was was bumbling. I think I also didn't sleep well enough last night. And it was, so it was like, I was recognizing him and, and what he was bringing, but I couldn't, I didn't feel that I could join him just in that moment. And um, where is that? Oh, it's a uh, a guy uh, who hosts a show called Radio West in Salt Lake City. I I, I want to write him a fan note. I, I just love the way that he uh, that he that, that he talked about my book, and it's I think you know there's a kind of there's the lousiness of being with someone you don't connect with, but but I often feel this other feeling, which is like, well, I really like you. I'm you know I really think you are cool, and then uh, you know somehow struggling to kind of come join that party and to connect with that mm. um yeah so almost like like there's a level of almost admiration that puts you too far from being able to just let go and, and get in the same mindset because i definitely am relating to what you're saying yeah. if i if i look up to somebody at a level sometimes i have trouble meeting them there in, a, in an intellectual conversation because i'm too aware of 
how yeah. intimidating they are to use yeah. your word. Yeah, no, I, I think that's. I think that's. I think I have a kind of a kid brother, older brother archetype. You know, you're either going to be kind of moping around, following the, the the cool kid, or you're going to be the cool kid. That that got ingrained in me as a little boy, and and too much. That's that's the way I see dynamics. When you really want to be like two cool kids, kind of you know, in the in the pit together. But I was struck by the the asymmet- the asymmetry of a lot of the couples yes. that you write about, and then you're talking about it right there. And that, but that seems to imbue some of that relationship with creative dynamic, creative energy, right? Well, there is asymmetry in these relationships. Um, you know, John Lennon was definitely the dominant character with Paul McCartney, and and Martin Luther King was definitely the dominant character with Ralph Abernathy, and Steve Jobs was the dominant character. With everyone, I mean, he just refused to you know, going 100 miles an hour down the highway. And a cop pulls him over, and he's like, "No, you do not have power in this situation. I'm going to crumple up this ticket and throw it out the window." And a lot of dominance is that is just not caring what other people think. <laughs> um, but the consistent thing with people who work well with those fo- with those types of people is that they dig in. Um, you know, so Paul McCartney, you know, would bring his best to that joust with McCartney and Abernathy did the same and people said that with with Jobs you know he would he would push I mean he would shove he might he would throw tantrums but you had to come back at him and he didn't respect people who didn't and that's what he's looking for and you you know it's this it's almost a cliche about about bullies the the only way to treat a bully is 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 to is to is to call their bluff and I think in some ways that's what kind of you know, people edge and the tyrannical are looking for. They're they're looking for someone to come meet them, and um, so it doesn't mean that they don't can stay dominant. But it's there's there's some play in there. Do they want to be pushed back, or do they just want to be met? Well, this conversation is is so cool because I think we are getting down to the the human roots of this whole subject and I think it I think they do want to be met and I think they want to grow I mean there's this beautiful very simple idea of uh, self-expansion that a psychologist named Art Aaron who works with his wife Elaine Aaron um, uses to explain just the basis of 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 human nature and, and why we do everything we do is to have more have more experience have have a, have a broader you know sense of possibilities and the the primary way to self-expansion is through relationships and it's it's kind of a, a, a funny dialectical thing as with many subjects because there's a way in which you you turn to a relationship to have more and to be a bigger self, but then that erodes at the self at the same time, and it, it, it's hard to know what's what. Um, and but it is, I think, also um, very helpful and very humanizing. I think to see how many people who seem very difficult are so full of yearning, and there could be the difficulty, a la Steve Jobs, or the difficulty like you know a la Emily Dickinson who who was difficult and that she withdrew and that she she seemed to not want to engage on a day-to-day level you know she wouldn't receive the ladies of Amherst and she wouldn't even come downstairs for her father's funeral service but 
this was not disinterest. I think she was, I think, flowing over with interest and needed the um, the, the specificity and, and the precision of language and needed the time to, to stew in it and to hear the voices in her head in order to you know, send out those missives, which she, which she was constantly doing with thousands of letters and hundreds of poems that she sent to other people. And it, you know, more than kind of a, you know, you know, secrets of creativity or sort of like appealing anecdotes about creativity. I think this conversation kind of gets us down to, you know, to the root of this, which is, which is all of us, um, you know, have this desire. And I, I do, I do think it's, you know, um, it, it goes to the basics of the creative impulse itself. It's a, it's an expressive desire. It's a communicative and a relational desire mm-hmm. and it may be and it may be a kind of aggressive one you know a kind of you know i'm gonna i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna shove at you i want to i want to you know disrupt the way that you think about the world but not to hurt you to shake you up and to you know have you um you know wake up you know come more alive which you know this image of, i'm just thinking of something that only good friends can do for each other you know to shake each other by the shoulders that's a lot of time what, what artists are trying to do. See, that's why there's, that's what you're trying to do, right? I mean, shake people up. I am curious about the, about the, um, the spark. And I want to come back to Lennon and McCartney and their spark. So, but, but you're looking to create a spark. But it's, it's, a, it's a broad effort. It's a group effort. Mm-hmm. So how did, I guess I'm, I was curious about how it relates, if you think it does. Well, I'll, I'll start by saying that the, the ideas behind the project room, one of the main tenets of it is that it make creativity really accessible and that it proves creativity's relevance in everyday life. So that um, if we're looking at art and art making and creativity, that it's not just for a special population, but that it's actually <clears throat> excuse me, woven into everyday life and everyday activities. <clears throat> and so... Um, and the beauty of editing, so you can take a drink of water there. <laughs> I'm out of water. Right. Um, so I'm treating the project room like a laboratory where I am very interested in these questions and I'd like to learn more about them, and the best way to do that is to conduct research. So my research is in the form of these public events where we can all then witness this research taking place together as a, in a group, as you call it, and then... Um, to publish our findings. So we share the documentation of the events and I write essays about what I'm learning as we go. And so all of that then feeds back into the organization and into the audience so that instead of just having an event, for example, that's not the end, that's the first part. And then we process what we learned and then we publish about it and we share the archives. And it's this ongoing conversation with the public and with the audience about how creativity works. And I'm just sort of the lab supervisor in all of this. Well, that's interesting you use the phrase conversation because a conversation is, in the end, it's usually two people, right? And so if one of those people is the individual, whoever is receiving that, then you're kind of embarked on that same yeah. duality, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, Lennon and McCartney live in the same town. They're, whatever happened, a, a third thing, you said you wanted to call your book one plus one equals infinity, because whatever happens to these groups is, um, these dyads, I mean, these, these couples, is 
not predictable, but also very, very mysterious, magical, whatever you want to call it. It only happened, we have Lennon and McCartney. Even Richards and, and Jagger created different kinds of work and different kinds of collaborations. So there is something that is a spark, right? There is something that's not either of those two people, even if one's dominant and one's less dominant. Mm. Did you ever label it? Did you ever come to want to call it something? Well, I do think that creativity, like love, is, is ultimately inexplicable. And I, I think we have to have humility you know, before it. It's, it's not something that we can make into a formula. And it, it's something that we can approach and that we need to approach and we need to try to understand as best we can, and both in order to come into relationship with, with the work that we so love and in order to be able to, to do it ourselves on any level. Um, and it, you know, I'm not, I'm not creating on the level of, of John and Paul, but I, there's dignity to what I do and, and, you know, to a, to a student of any age, it's, it, these, I'm interested in, in, in these questions as a perpetual student. And I, I feel kin to, you know, to, to, to folks who have that beginner's mind. And even I think the great artists who, you know, who, who we, you know, are in the encyclopedias, are great because they, they, they maintain that same sense of perennial curiosity and humility as well. So I'm, I think I'm, if, I, if I understand your, your, your question right, you're, you're, you're gesturing at the great unknown, you know, that, that takes life between people. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's um, I'm, I'm uh, doing a dance in, in, in my book between trying to, to name and characterize what I see and also being very aware of all that I can never know. I mean, I think in all of the hundreds of times that John Lennon and Paul McCartney got together to write, I think that there was one time that there was an observer present who took good notes. And that's the scene that begins my book when they wrote with a little help from my friends and a sublime journalist named Hunter Davies, who in this great English style really just wrote down what he saw including things that, um, these little details that have no <laughs> obvious interpretation, but they, it just, it breathes life. You really, you feel that he is a window, you know, through which you can look on the room. But then what about all of those you know, hundreds of, maybe thousands of other times that we know nothing else about? It's, um, and yet, the, you know, we are able to see these patterns, and those patterns then, I think, can be kind of um, superimposed on what we see, you know, through our own eyes and our own lives. I was gesturing to the great <laughs> unknown. I mean, I am thinking about that, well, what you said, a love like creativity, like love is inexplicable. And yes. Yet, and yet we, I mean, we didn't put the meaning to Lennon and McCartney, right? I mean, they created something remarkable. And... I mean, that's just, it was just, in the end, it was a bit serendipity, wasn't it? Between, that they found each other? Yeah. Well, or, I mean, I don't know, would would Lennon and Jones or McCartney and Higgins have been the same? Yeah. Well, you know, it is, it does seem incredibly unlikely, and yet when you see how relationships are behind just about everything that has any meaning in our culture. Um, you see that it, you know, it does 
just happen over and over again. And I, and I don't, I don't think it's so, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, it's like, I don't think it's so strange. You, you, you put people in an environment where they, where, where they, where they have, you know, common interests and f- from there they can, you know, find the guy who is going to challenge them the most. And those two ingredients are the, 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 the building block of complementarity. And, um, if it was so unusual, you know, we wouldn't have, um, any of the bands we love, we wouldn't have any of the, you know, products we love. We wouldn't have, you know, um, you know, any of the, the social movements that we care about or the science that we care about. Um, and it, it, my experience actually doing this research is is sort of the opposite of, of of just being mystified that it ever happened between John and Paul. It's just it's just remarkable how often the right people do find each other um, and do show up for each other and and how inadequate our awareness of relationships are in comparison to how often it's operating. I mean, I'm just kind of stunned and staggered over and over again at how there you know there's some hidden story of a relationship underneath work that I thought I understood a little bit, um, you know, from the role that Marsha Lucas played in the Star Wars movies. I mean, I thought I knew how that happened, basically, that there was a guy named George Lucas, and he was, had a very unusual mind and kind of dreamy, you know, science fiction idea, and that through repeated, you know, lots of effort and kind of being really scrappy he got this crazy movie made and everyone was like that's kind of nuts but it turned out to be so brilliant and the, and I really thought that it was a story of, of, of him you know defying convention and sort of you know def, you know really you know turning his back on people who were trying to say no to him like you know do it in a more conventional way and it was stunning to me to see the story is that he yes he had a lot to offer and he had these really interesting ideas and and courage to pursue them but it was only in this kind of constant conversation with this circle of filmmakers he was in and especially with his wife that it emerged into some kind of meaningful form and then all of a sudden these things that just are unexplained in the conventional biography make sense like you hear George Lucas in these documentaries that are commissioned by Lucasfilm that very much portray him as the lone genius. You hear these little snippets about how he never really knew how to talk to actors. Like, okay, well, how did that guy direct a movie? I mean, how does he kind of be the, how does he be the CEO of this like immensely social enterprise? And then when you understand that he had at his side someone who was very good with people and was very good with him and had a kind of warmth and a heart that he apparently, you know, he was, not to say he was heartless, but he was a, a kind of a colder, more technocratic kind of guy who was up in his head. And now it makes sense. And it, and it feels so much more human. And it, and it feels, I mean, to get back to this question of like, I think at bottom of this question of, you know, is it so inexplicable and mysterious is do we have permission to look for it? You know, is it possible for us that someone is going to activate us the way that, you know, Paul McCartney activated John Lennon. And I think on any level, at any age, it is possible. And it's easy to be, um, I mean, these stories are in the book because they're inspiring and because they're recognizable and they, they, 
that we can move through them and and learn the lessons but it there is a danger of being intimidated by them and being cowed by them and and overwhelmed by the kind of implicit comparison between our lives and theirs and this is Jess and I are you know doing this workshop it's a one of the first steps for me and really deliberately trying to break that down and kind of get it to um, you know a, a, a level in which it is accessible and we and I, I really need that in my own life and I'm you know I'm, I'm after months of talking about the book and many highs and lows I'm like returning to that like this comes from you know a very deep well in me of, of you know feeling lonely and feeling you know an enormous amount of yearning and feeling that I have a lot to give but it's like lots of um, puzzle pieces. My kid is into jigsaw puzzles, so this image comes to mind. Like I have lots of jigsaw pieces that like are missing that other weird half. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, everything that I've done that's meaningful has been has been you know facilitated by connection. And I, I and that was when I was just totally unwitting about it and even a little dumb about it. And I think sometimes turning away from connections when they got kind of intense because I saw, thought it was a sign of trouble. And I now know that when things get intense and heated and even fractious, it, it's often a sign that you're, you know, you're in the kitchen and it's getting hot. Hmm. Um, are you a collaborator? Two questions and then we'll be done. Are you a collaborator? Well, certainly in my, in my work as a curator, I've collaborated with a lot of different people, artists as well as um, producers and other types of people. Um, and what I've learned is that the people who, with whom I work really well stick around and we collaborate again and we keep working together. And the people who I don't relate to so well, or if there isn't that spark, so to speak, we work to once, we work together once and then we move on. So I've experienced that you know, over many years working in the arts and I, it's just a very, um, I think that it's a, it's a really nice, it's a great place to be in. It's kind of a, um, a lucky position to be in to say, I get a little bit of control over my over who my collaborators are. I get to actually experiment with different types of people and decide, um, who I'd like to work with again, if I could be that lucky to work with somebody great twice. So yeah, I've had a lot of people come through. I definitely have one main partner in my life who is the reason that most of good things have happened to me <laughs> but he doesn't he doesn't work in the arts that's my husband he's your container <laughs> he's my container not your liquid he, he's the person he's the person who like gives me the little kick from behind when mm. i'm when i'm questioning whether or not i should do something mm. so like this workshop what are your first steps that you're going to take to try to all right what are your first steps that you're going to well, well what are your first steps first yeah yeah and just in general because in a sense what you're doing is trying to create a space where people can come together and Mm -hmm. consider big questions but to spark something definitely i'm really excited about this um i've received a lot of interest from people who either work in pairs already or interested in doing more collaboration perhaps they're already artists of some sort but they'd like to start working with others um, more earnestly so I think what we'll see is a really um, nice group of a diff- different types of people who are really eager to learn more, specifically about Josh's work, but also about how, um, how collaborations are really fruitful. What are, what are the situations that give rise to good collaborations? Um, and hopefully we'll hear from the audience as well. We want to 
have questions and we want to have a conversation and we want to learn from other people's stories too about what has worked and not worked for them. And what are your first steps? I mean, this is only one of, it sounds like this is one of a step in a process. Yeah. Well, um, the first question I'm going to ask the group is, um, who wants to be more creative? I'm sure everyone will raise their hands. The reason they're there. And then I'm going to say, why? And I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really curious to um, hear whatever images or, or thoughts arise, and I'm also eager to ground the conversation at that place. Like, what is it that we really want? You know, I'm, I wrote a book that is, um, it's about creativity. It also has innovation in the title. Innovation is basically a synonym for creative stuff that will make you money, and your publishers really, you know, love it, and, you know, it's a, it's a huge buzzword, and it's, it's a little overwhelming, and you know there are so many books about creativity, and they're you know they're they're it's become a whole kind of subgenre in in the in the business literature, um, and it's easy to get a little deadened, um, and it's easy also for me. I'm a, I'm on the hustle. I'm seeking attention. I won't pay attention to me. You know, I'm gonna do whatever it takes for you to to notice me and. Uh, you know, um, go to whatever interview and 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 and, and put on whatever wig. Um, so, but even I, in the cloakroom of the town hall. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's hilarious because it's because here I'm in this you know sublime conversation with you two, but I you know I didn't know what was happening. It's just okay. What's next? You know, and so I, and I'm doing that, and I I, I believe in, in working hard to support my work, but it's I feel a desire to you know reconnect with 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 the roots of it and um and then the question is okay you know from from that place of rudeness you know what do we do and and that dialectic is also extremely important to me as um i'm thinking about what's next in my life i i you know i i i made a a a I made a a big piece of work with my partner Eamon Dolan who's the editor of this book and now, and I, I, in good ways and in, and in challenging ways, I lost myself in that. It, the constant question was me and Eamon, Eamon and me, how are we going to, where will this negotiation lead? How will he respond? And um, some days I, I'm psyched that we did that. Some days I, you know, I, I struggle with some of the things that emerged. On the whole, I'm really proud that I kept coming back and back and back, and that we we made this thing, and that you know we and we both are committed to bringing meaning to people's lives, um, and I, I I know we 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 did some of that, but now I'm asking, I need to I, I feel the need to go back and water my roots, and I and and ask so so what do I have within me um, to you know, bring to other people, and and that movement back and forth, I think, is extremely important. That the the relationship between solitude and connection may be the single most important kind of relationship uh, in this in all of this work for me. And and it snuck up on me. I mean, I, I hadn't until I started talking about the book twenty four seven. I hadn't I hadn't realized how fundamental that was, and it and it it occurs to me now that that it, among among all the, the 
things that the, that, that the pair, that makes the pair so special as opposed to a group or, or, you know, um, or an individual is the ability to move fluidly between solitude and connection. And the, the you know two people who are together are a whole world. I mean, you really can I think do anything and 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 feel anything so long as you're given permission and support by one other person who who you really really trust and have more than trust have faith in. And um, in the same way that a small child you know with his mommy or daddy so long as it's safe, like that's everything. So that there's a possibility of kind of having your whole world there. And then, but also for a pair, when you separate, you can really be uh, with yourself and you can really be in solitude and you've not disrupted the connection because you can return to it. Um, whereas even in a, a group of three, if you're in a room with three people and you leave, you have left the group. Now maybe it's, a small thing to go, you know, take a walk or get a coffee, um, but it's the group exists and you're not in it. And will you rejoin it? What's happening without you? And that that dance of of solitude and connection that I think the pair uh, makes so um, ever present um, is really is a really potent one and one that we really need to grapple with because. We have this like either or sense. It's like, and it you know we swung so far in the direction of the lone genius. It's just it's absurd, the crazy stories we tell and that you know people take seriously about how stuff happened in the world. And now we're sort of there's this movement to swing in the opposite direction, and you know it's it's about collaboration. It's about connection. You got to do it with people. You know. It's never about one person alone. Well, it's about the interconnection between being alone and being in connection. And, and, and that's what, you know, I mean, even in a single conversation, I need to formulate, crystallize a thought like a runner passing a baton. I need, I need, to, I need to create that baton in my mind in order to hand it to Jess or hand it to you. And... So I need to be, you know, if I'm just sitting here like, what does Steve want to hear? How am I going to please him? You know, this guy's a big deal. Like, I'm not, I can't be in a conversation with you. I have to, I have to be in my own center of gravity, but then I also need to be aware of you. And that, you know, that movement back and forth that people (laughs) listening to this can't see my, if my hands are, are, are sort of constantly moving around each other, trying to indicate this, this movement, like I'm, my hands are circling around each other, which is what I always do as soon as I start talking about the book. And in fact, this is the very first image. This is where the book came from, is this image of what is between people. I've always I've all been doing this for five years. I was, I was taking I was I was thinking as planets revolving, like you know these these two celestial bodies revolving and the pull they have on both. That's that's what I was taking from your gesture. That's cool. That's a great image. Uh, all right, last last thoughts vis a vis this notion of collaboration and 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 solitude, but well that. Well, I just thought that this um, idea of safety we haven't talked about, mm. but asking people. Um, who are you with when you feel safest yeah. is really interesting. And um, I think is something somewhere leading on the path to where a create, where a really um, strong partnership could lie is somewhere where you feel 
safe. Yes. And of course, there's competition that can be helpful and there's like being challenged. But um, the idea of feeling really safe so that you're not self-conscious and that you are okay taking risks is really important to being creative, I yes. think. Can groups do that? You, you talked about, you know, in the end, it's, it's two people or it's the core that creates it. I was thinking about Apple with new leadership, but there are people there that, that were part, it wasn't Steve Jobs, so there were people that created Apple, not just Steve Jobs. Can groups have that same power, or in the end, is, is, is there, is, will, will rigidity always set in that doesn't necessarily have to set in with pairs? No, I think that groups can be really, really potent. Um, groups are often made up out of a, 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 a series of, of, of dialogical exchanges. They, they may become bigger than that. Groups are really, really hard to understand and really, really hard to move. And a, a lot of the, the, the potency of, of pairs is as a model. I mean, it allows us to sort of draw social dynamics into a small enough space that we can at least begin to see it. Um, and it is also, I think, a space where, where, where there's more play that's possible. If you encounter a culture that's broken, um, it's, I mean, that's Herculean. That's like raising the Titanic um, you know, from the, <laughs> the ocean floor and, and making it seaworthy again. Um, cultures are really, really, really stubborn, whereas relationships... Um, can even even the most stuck relationships, you know, with the right tools, with the right you know, uh, the right support, can be um, gotten to go again. And in fact, a lot of times that stuck energy can can be really made into in, into fuel. But I, I do think it's I I don't mean to discount the 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 power of culture. I mean that the you know, I, I've been raising a, a child. Uh, alone half time you know he, he's with his mother he's with me and I'm usually when I'm with him I'm usually alone and there are friends of ours who have us over occasionally and you know their house which is you know this couple and their kids and often friends of theirs I mean it's a magnificently safe environment and it's and it's clearly you know being contributed to by multiple people and I, and I love it and I and I I think it's absolutely possible to to notice that and but then the question becomes, you know, if you're kind of fumbling and if you're trying to do something new, um, yeah, I mean, maybe there there are particular places to go where you feel that feeling. But it's if you actually are learning, to, if you want to create it, the nucleus of it, you know, the building block of it, like the first two Lego pieces, are two people. And I, and I also think that it cultures are often a kind of large expression of some you know, interpersonal dynamic between two people. I mean, I, this is, I'm a little bit spitballing here, but I, I think it's, I think it's probably true that, you know, a family emerges, you know, from the dynamic between the parents and, and it becomes a kind of larger expression of that. And I imagine that's the case for a lot of companies that whoever the two critical people are, um, you know, that that sets a tone uh, and that, and everything kind of begins on to take that, color and and quality and um um it's um you know it, it, it it's a to me a, a kind of both for understanding and for action kind of a a, a very useful construct yeah. and and to my astonishment one that that has just never been 
it had never been uh, considered before. I mean, this, this is all, I mean, it's just, it seems so plain when you, when you begin to really consider it, but it, it's, 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 it's yet to really be explored. And, and, and it's so, it's so strange. It's like we're, because cre- creativity is as driven by relationships as, as life is driven by love. And yet, you know, I often try to imagine, you know, where will we be if we didn't have a language for the importance of, you know, of love relationships and friend relationships? Like, we might still be having them, but we, we would be very, you know, we wouldn't recognize it and consecrate it, and we wouldn't know how to make it a priority. And I think that's where we are with creativity. Many people are enacting creative intimacy, but they don't have a, a, a kind of cult, a, a broader cultural framework to kind of recognize its significance. That's what you're trying to do. Is that right? Would you say that? Well, what would you say you're trying to do? Yeah, I think, um, well, we're exploring how creativity works in everything that we do. And I think um, by, it's not always overt, it's not always let's talk about creativity, but it's about producing programming that shines a light somehow on why people make what they make and how things are made. But really, like, what's the motivation behind somebody who every day gets up and goes to work in a studio and makes an object that no one asked them to make. Mm. It's very interesting to me. Um, and also because I relate personally, you know, I decided to start a nonprofit or, or organization that nobody, you know, nobody hired me to do this. It was my own idea. So I often relate to these creative people who are driven by something bigger than um, being asked to do something or being hired to do something, but that there's actually a, a stronger impulse, even stronger than that, that drives you to keep on doing whatever you think you're you're meant to be doing. Thanks for listening to this final installment of In Residence, Conversations from Town Hall, Conversations about Collaboration, something I'll be continuing. You can find Joshua Wolf Shank's work in one place, shank.net, S-H-E-N-K.net, and projectroomseattle.org for Jess Van Nostrand's work. Check them both out. Maybe we'll see you there. I hope you look for the other podcasts I've been working on. I've aggregated it for now under one place, thehouseofpodcasts.com. There you'll find my podcasts about gardening, about film, and in-depth conversations with some of the guests who are coming to the University of Washington and some of the scholars who work there. Love to hear from you. Each of those podcasts have their own emails. The House of Podcasts has its own as well, thehouseofpodcasts at gmail.com. And you can write me directly, S-S-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. Like your feedback, like to know what you thought about this series, like to hear from you, because that's how we do better, right? We communicate. By communicating, we collaborate. So thanks a lot.